We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Field of 68 Media Network presents Red is the New Orange, a Syracuse basketball podcast. Vince intercepts a pass, breakaway for the freshman guard, he flies and slams! Aerial assault from Judah Vince. Looking to go back door to Bell, they get it to a near corner three, knocks it down! Chris Bell, the sharpshooter. Bringing you everything you need to know out of the 315. Up top, Williams searches ahead, up with the right hand and in. A pretty up and under move from Benny Williams to beat his man. Over to Taylor. He skips into the lane, puts up a floater, and drops in. Let's get it started with your host, Ian Unsworth and Johnny Gadamowitz. What's going on, everybody? How's it going? Welcome on in. It's another edition of Red is the New Orange with Ian Unsworth. I'm Johnny Gadamowitz as we sit here and record this Sunday night. Hope you got your football fix. Yeah, we just watched Dan Campbell piss away a game. That was a tough watch down the home stretch, but a Chiefs-Niners rematch on the hardwood in Syracuse basketball. Another win over the weekend. The Orange back in the win column. They take down NC State in a game where I don't know if I really learned a whole ton of new things about this Syracuse team, but it's a win, so we won't get too nitpicky, and, and you'll certainly take it. But overall, Ian, nice to get back in the win column, particularly in front of the home crowd, coming off a little bit of a shaky performance against Florida State prior to that. The first half was super satisfying, very engaging. One of the best halves of basketball we've seen Syracuse play. J.J. Starling had 12 points in about eight minutes. Chris Bell was hot early on, had a couple of big threes. And then after those guys wore down just a little bit, that early energy subsided. It became the Mint Show, and it happened again. He drew nine fouls that brought him to the free throw line a total of 18 times, and definitely more than just those nine. Had to be 14, 15 different fouls that Judah drew. But those three were the real catalysts of the big first half. In the second half, I think Syracuse turned it off defensively a little bit, up double digits pretty much the entire way. It was clear North Carolina State didn't have much of a chance to make a true, true run. So, yes, the starters were still in, but I think guys just 
laxed off a little bit. State was pushing it down the floor. Syracuse wasn't really pushing it. Judah was walking the ball up. And remember what we talked about last Friday? He didn't give the ball up against press after turning it over once. So that's a nice small step to see. Can we just talk about, before we get into the Syracuse side of things, Johnny? Yep. I mean, I've been on record in the past saying that Kevin Keats is, uh, I don't think he's great. I mean, th- this game was over when Kevin Keats took DJ Burns out of the starting lineup. That's we don't exactly know why. where I wanted to go. We don't exactly know why. Was it team rules? Was it just he thought the team needed energy? Was it a matchup thing? I don't know. But DJ Burns had no semblance of a real impact on this game. And it's because he wasn't in there from the start of it. This is a brutal case of overthinking. And again, another example of why Kevin Keats continues to just, I mean, he he will never have good teams because he does stuff like this. Yeah, I don't know if we can even call it a strategic move because I'm not sure why removing your best player from the starting lineup would have any semblance of anything that even remotely looks like strategy. But for whatever reason, it's what NC State wanted to do, and it did not end up paying dividends. And Burns comes in, he's cold, and he gets pushed around by Peter Carey, who just played his best game of the season when Syracuse really needed him to because Malik Brown had at least one foul on him the entirety of the first half. But Carey dug his feet in. He didn't let Burns shimmy back and forth. And it's not like Burns is going to beat you with quickness. So no problems there. I think for as much Syracuse good as there was in this game, there was an equal amount, if not more, of NC State bad. This is a Wolfpack team that only had 22 points at halftime. And you can credit the Q's defense for Six making first half up. field goals, Johnny. They didn't make shots. And that's exactly where I wanted to go next in that, look, this was not some otherworldly performance from Syracuse defensively. Sure, it was a fine one. But I think a lot of it boiled down to the fact that NC State offensively just wasn't making shots. And we have learned that in the Atlantic Coast Conference, when you are not making your shots, particularly on the road, it is very tough to find ways to win basketball games. And I think it was just one of those days where I don't know if it was a confidence thing um, from an NC State standpoint. And when Syracuse opened up on the run that they did, they were just digging themselves in a hole that was too deep to climb their way out of. But it was an ugly night offensively, and then mentioned that confidence. And on the flip side, how about the confidence we've seen JJ Starling have now over the course of the past couple of weeks? Right, another strong performance for Mister Starling, who has himself a day. He pours in a team high twenty six points. Also had a pair of steals as well. Was getting involved on the defensive end, and obviously kind of gave way to Judah down the home stretch of that game. But it feels like Ian. I don't know if we're quite there yet. But the bill of goods that we were sold prior to this year of Judah and JJ, 1A, 1B, dynamic backcourt, one of the best backcourts in the conference, feels like we're finally starting to get there. Two things to that equation. One, DJ Horn is North Carolina State's best on-ball defender. They had him on mitts. And so JJ Starling got the other guard. At the beginning of the game, I think it was Jaden Taylor. They tried Casey Morsell on him. They tried Dennis Parker on him. Breon pass like they threw a bunch of different bodies at him but Starling was quicker than every single one so he could get by them he could get to his mid-range shot he could work a little pick and roll also on the broadcast 
uh, West Durham and crew made the astute observation that during shoot around that morning and during pregame warmups, Jerry McNamara had been working with JJ to start his shot closer to his body. So if you if you watch the broadcast or if you're there at the game, you can see that JJ here. I'll kind of bend the side here to do a little demonstration. JJ sometimes pulls the shot up and his arms are almost all the way extended. And he has to lean it back like a catapult and launch it. Instead, if you catch it closer, you can tuck your elbow in at this 90 degree angle and really flick your wrist and get it off faster. So that was the, that was that's the that's the demonstration for those of you just listening on audio. Uh, well I think we did the we did, I did the play by play, so that's about as good as it gets. But that's the sort of adjustment, and both uh, GMAC and JJ said they were working on that pregame and implementing it. But what they said on the broadcast is after that small tweak from GMAC and pregame warmups, everything JJ shot started going in. And it looked like that in the game, too. He made that small tweak, and he started ripping threes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. He knocked down four on the night, Ian, and just listening to some of the post-game sound that various Syracuse media outlets have put out there, you know, he was talking about that confidence and how it very much is a thing. And I think it's safe to say that he really has found his footing now and is starting to come into his own. Chris Bell knocked down three trifectas as well. Those, in fact, were the only two players to connect on a shot from downtown for Syracuse. But again, we have really that picture. That's okay, right? This team doesn't need to, to fire on all cylinders from downtown in order to be successful. A um, couple of puzzling final individual performances. Only two points from Malik Brown. Not his best game by any stretch, but again, still found ways to impact the game. Seven rebounds, four assists, just using that length, using that body, using that presence. And then another game, Ian, where we kind of see a little bit of a, I don't know if I want to call it a clunker because he only took one shot, but I feel like Justin Taylor is kind of just that guy that is lost right now, right? And we had that situation last year with it felt like a lot of these guys, right? Like Chris Bell, Benny Williams, it was okay, what's the role? And it feels like this year, and this was a conversation that we had a few weeks back when conference play really started, felt like the difference with this year's team was 
guys are kind of have a more established role and it's a little more firm. It's a little more clear of, okay, who needs to do what Taylor's that one guy who I still just feel like is a little lost in the shuffle. Is he a scorer? Is he just out there to be a threat, a decoy, another body to make sure you got to pick up, right? I, I'm not entirely sure. Um, and it's it's hit the point now where I think we can call it a concern because this has not just been one or two, right? You look at his month of January, it leaves a lot to be desired. Now, you credit Red Autry for finding a way to weather the storm despite that. But I think it really does beg the question, you know, if this team is going to pick up some of those signature wins that they kind of lack right now over the course of the next month, I think an X factor in making that happen is getting him going one way or another. He only played 15 minutes and Benny Williams played 25. Yeah. The problem is there's only one ball. There aren't as many shots to go around as we'd like to think, especially because so many of Syracuse's points come from the free throw line. And that's all based off of isolation basketball, where you probably know Jude isn't passing. So for Taylor, he has to pick a spots where he can. Adrian Autry said after the game, the ball just didn't find him. And that's how it goes some nights. Benny Williams right now is better suited to fit in with this group. And that's why he played more of the second half and made some really nice athletic plays, whether it be on lobs or second chance uh, putbacks. Because he's a better jumper, he can spend a bit more time around the rim, and when he go when he cuts baseline or cuts back door, there's a real lob threat there. You don't get that with Taylor because he's not going to get inside at all. And honestly, Williams, when he gets the ball, looks a bit more apt to shoot, even though his shot is is like throwing a dart at the rim. Some of those go in. Justin Taylor, most of the time when he gets the ball isn't going to do much besides swing it. So Benny Williams, even though he's coming off the bench now and he started off rocky, like he's finding his place and fitting in. And with JJ shooting well, with Bell starting to develop that consistency, you maybe need a bit of a scrapper junkyard guy to clean up the pieces and do the dirty work, especially on offense. Taylor has not had a double-figure game, just to paint that picture a little further for you guys listening at home, since the Niagara contest. Yeah, Williams had 11-5 and five yeah. on Saturday night. Yeah, so JT had 11. That was on December the 21st. His high since then was 7 against Boston College on January 10th, so maybe an opportunity to replicate a little bit of success. Not that 7 points is anything to write home about but maybe an opportunity to get him going in the right direction. Um, from an NC State standpoint, Ian, we, we mentioned it a little bit off the jump, just really couldn't get anything going. But I wanted to ask you something that I kind of hinted at a little bit earlier. Like hmm. for you watching this game and seeing the way it unfolded, the way that it did, and Syracuse kind of really cruising right from the get-go, was it more a product of Syracuse's efficiency on the defensive end and you know doing their due diligence and minimizing NC State's offensive impact? Or was it more just NC State not hitting shots? I think it's a little bit of both. I'm curious to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, it's a bit of both. Syracuse also doubled up North Carolina State and points off turnovers. SU only turned it over nine times. And North Carolina State's one of the best teams in the conference when it comes to forcing turnovers and turning those into points. So even though Judah Mintz committed five of those nine turnovers, 
a big kudos to him and the rest of the team because North Carolina State, since they don't have great half-court options, right. wants to get at you defensively, wants to push the pace, and Syracuse's guards did a great job of taking care of the ball. There were no sloppy passes either. Every like The ball has moved well with this team it was crisp. Yeah, until crisp it stops with Judah or J.J., and like, there was no cross-court law. Like, everything was sharp on Saturday night, and I think the crowd helps that. I think the moment of the Dave Bing ceremony, Bayheim back in the building, you got recruits there. I think all that really helped, and it was a really uplifting and positive environment. On the North Carolina State side, DJ Horn didn't get going until late in the second half. Syracuse didn't give him any airspace to shoot, and also he had to guard mitts for 37 to 40 minutes. Like, good luck, dude, but you're going to be gassed. And you're also probably taking four or five hard falls to the ground when Mintz does his kamikaze act and swings the ball into your chest. Yep. And yeah, Morcel goes 0 for 5. Other than that, there are no real offensive options on this team besides the dancing bear down low. And again, he doesn't play for the first six minutes. No chance. A head-scratcher, to say the least. I think your turnover point is one that really holds true. I, I think the key stat is players not named Judah Mintz on Syracuse's roster only turned the ball over four times. And again, in our previous and episode... None, none, uh, of, none of those turnovers were from guards. No. Two from, See, I think two from Brown one, yeah. and one from Benny. Right, right. And again, you know, I know on our previous episode, I was getting after Judah a little bit about those turnover problems. And again, five turnovers, a little more than you'd like to see. But, but nine to assists, point earlier, he's the only one that's going right. to turn it over, so be that's it. That's okay, exactly. If it's just him, that's not the end of the world. That is something that Syracuse can survive. Outside of that, I mean, 11 minutes out of Peter Carey, I, I think this is something that maybe we can expect to see a little bit, right? Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Having height, having length is not a bad thing. If you're going up against smaller opponents and you want to get away with a combo of Malik and Benny at the five, be my guest, Red Autry. Um, but again, I wouldn't do it against BC though. I'd let Gary go in there and rack up five fouls at least. Right. Right. So it should be very curious to see what the breakdown of the front court minutes are going forward as well. One other point I wanted to mention that, that you said something earlier that jogged my memory about it before we shift gears and look ahead to the Eagles, just in terms of the mileage that this backcourt is now accumulating, JJ played a full 40 and Judah played 38. And not not that it's a concern, and I don't want to, you know, start pressing the panic button because of that, but I think it does speak volumes to just how important these two guys are to this basketball team. Like, full 40s in today's day and age of college basketball is not something you see very often, and I think it's a testament to J.J. that he was able to piece together the performance he was without a breather, Judah's right there with him at 38, but on the glass half empty side, Ian, you know, is that something that we can come to expect consistently? I don't think so, nor is it something I think you should expect on a consistent basis, just because, as I said, when I brought this point up, that's a lot of miles, that's a lot of minutes, and there's still a whole month and a half left of this regular season. And looking ahead on the schedule, you've got five Saturday to Tuesday turnarounds. We've already seen Syracuse do that last weekend and get smacked around on Tuesday because guys were tired and they played a fast paced up and down game and ran out of mileage in the second half against Florida State. Both Judah and JJ are playing over 80% of the team's minutes. That puts them 
in the top 200 in the country. Um, if you multiply every, let's say 15 players on each team, 360 something teams in D1. Yeah. So they're shouldering a much larger load than most players, but also these are your dudes. They have to do that. And in the past, Syracuse has played six man rotations and been okay. So I, I don't think there's much to be worried about except for when you go up against a really physical team, let's okay. So take February 10th and February 13th, you got Clemson and North Carolina, both at home, but UNC is that Tuesday game. UNC has guards that can pressure the hell out of you. They're going to be physical in the post. They have two very good big men and they'll run. So that could be a game where just like Florida state, the Orange probably have an emotional rush. There's probably a great crowd. But if things don't start fast, it could it could snowball and turn bad really quick. Yeah, I think hot starts is, has been a key for both of us throughout the course of the season for the Orange. But especially with tired legs, if you don't start hot, you're going to flatline. Yep, absolutely. We'll see if that's the case for Syracuse going forward. Next up for Red Autry's crew is a squad that they have already taken care of this year in the Boston College Eagles. Orange will hit the road for a trip to Chestnut Hill to take on Earl Grant's crew. Before that, though, let's check in with our friends at BetMGM and get a word from Rob Doster. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. Thanks so much to Rob for that, Ian. Talking about this Boston College team, Syracuse already took them down once in central New York a couple of weeks ago, a 10.69 to 59 win. Since that point in time, Boston College's only two wins have come over the same team in a Notre Dame Fighting Irish squad that is towards the seller of the ACC. This is a BC squad that doesn't really have a ton going for it. Both of those wins over the aforementioned Irish were by single digits. I think it was a four-point and a three-point win, if my memory serves correct, looking at some of the numbers earlier. Yeah, it was exactly that as I peek at their schedule here. A four-point win back on January 15th, 
a three-point win on the road last time out. That came just yesterday on Saturday as we record this on Sunday night. So, Ian, you know, we hear that cliche all the time about how tough it is to beat a team twice, but this is a team that you would think, if all goes according to plan, and Syracuse, you know, follows a similar blueprint to what they did last time out against this squad, no reason they can't take care of business yet again. Yeah, Boston College is projected to win this game on Ken Palm. The final score projection is 76-74, and I think home court advantage probably factors in maybe three, two, three-point differential there. So maybe it's, it's it would be flat line even if they played on a neutral court. Either way, that's neither here nor there. That's BetMGM's job, not mine. You can't expect Quinton Post to only put up four shot attempts and not score at all again. And not score, yeah. <laughs> because after the Syracuse win in the Dome, he didn't play in BC's next game against Clemson. So maybe there was something he was dealing with or he was a little banged up. Either way, he's come back and scored double digits four straight times. The playbook for BC has to get him involved in some other way besides just throwing it into him in the post because Malik Brown had a field day last time poking it away. So I would think there's going to be more pick and roll in this next game for Earl Grant. Don't know who's at the top of it. Maybe it's Claudel Harris who kind of went on a little streaky run then disappeared after the end of the first half in that first game. But you need to find a way to get Post more involved. Um, and again, this will be the second time Syracuse has played BC without Naheem McLeod. So there's no no surprises there either for either the Hughes new. or BC. BC's top three scorers, it's Quinton Post. You have Jaden Zachary in there as well at the three spot. And you mentioned Harris, who was their second leading scorer. But I mentioned those top three because Zachary, much like his teammate Quinton Post, was also scoreless against Syracuse last time out in 26 minutes on an O of seven shooting night. So Syracuse made it a point to lock up BC's premier guys. Yeah, it's been McLaughlin who's been balling for them recently. Yep, McLaughlin is the guy to keep an eye out for. 40 Um, points in his last two games combined. And as far as that first matchup too, Ian, if you remember, Syracuse was plus 14 in the turnover margin. Boston College turned the ball over 22 times in that game to the Cuse's eight. So the Eagles were rattled, and I think the Syracuse defense was pretty stifling. The agileness of Malik Brown down low and the potency up top of Mince and Starling. Chris Bell had like four or five runouts in the first half. Yeah. So I think for the Orange, look, I mean, you know, we talk about that Florida State loss and how it kind of deflated the momentum and, you know, brought everybody back down from cloud nine a little bit. But all of a sudden, you know, you beat NC State, you take care of business and win a conference road game. You know, you get a little mini two-game win streak going. And then you ride that into February and and you take your chances with sort of what lies ahead. I'm really excited to talk Wake Forest on our next episode because that is a team that is really impressed. And that is probably going to be Syracuse's toughest game since North Carolina. Yeah. Um, as far as just the opponent and and the quality of play that their that opponent brings to the table, especially when you consider it's on the road. But you can't overlook BC, right? I, I think we're at the point where a lot of fans, I mean, myself included, I just brought it up looking ahead to wake, right? 
but you got to take it one game at a time. You can't afford to get tripped up by playing the what if or, you know, worrying about, you know, what's down the line. So if you're Syracuse, just go out there, take care of business, and then it's on to the next. But Ian, for you, if I was to ask you a a key, I know we talk about that turnover margin. I know we talk about limiting Zachary and post. What does Red Autry need to make sure his guys do to walk out of Conti Forum with a win come Tuesday? Get Chris Bell and J.J. Starling some early looks at three-pointers. That's how you ignite the offense. That's what happened against NC State. And when we went to Conte Forum, Johnny, and over the past five years, there have been more orange shirts than maroon and gold shirts in that building. So it can be a pro Syracuse crowd. And all it takes is one good half of basketball to swing it that way. I'm going to say get Judah going. Judah was just one of seven, didn't have his best game against the Eagles in the first meeting between the two. Had only 10 points to get to the line. He always does. We know he's good for eight to 10 free throws at least on a nightly basis. But I think if you can let Judah kind of do what he does, then obviously that's going to give Syracuse the best chance to go out there and win the basketball game. It's coming up Tuesday night. Should be a lot of fun in Boston as Syracuse goes for their second straight win. Oh, their second oh, Ches- straight Chestnut Hill. Chestnut Hill. Chestnut Hill. That's right. I shouldn't get ahead of myself. But it is a 7 p.m. tip from the Conti Forum on Tuesday. As always, we will break it all down for you come Friday when we look ahead to Wake Forest and what the Demon Deacons bring to the table but that's going to do it for this edition of red is the new orange make sure you throw us a follow over on twitter we really appreciate you guys sticking with us all season long we're at f68 underscore cuse as always if you want to throw ian and myself a follow feel free as well as well as everybody involved with the field of 68 your school of choice chances are there's a podcast out there on them so go give it a look as well as all the national headlines the after dark podcast that Fanta and Goodman and Doster are doing. It's all great stuff. If you want to get caught up on what's going on, not just in central New York, but across the country in the college basketball landscape, that is your place to go. But for now, with Ian, I'm Johnny saying so long. We will talk to you Friday. Enjoy the game on Tuesday night. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.